It's so good uh, to have everyone back in the house of God. I did have to miss a few services. I was out preaching, and uh, I am half asleep right now. Praise God. I am I'm in a whole other time zone, and uh, I've tried not to travel, but uh, God did open some doors that I felt I had to walk through, and so uh, thank you, everyone, for being faithful, and uh, we love and appreciate all of you. Praise God. Are we going to dismiss our kids now we're dismissing the children amen and uh, they're going to be following uh, brother jesse willoughby all right everybody say god bless our kids praise god there they go all right amen and uh we are so glad also for all our visitors so glad to have uh, some of my nieces and nephews here. Amen. This is my w wife's brother's kids. Praise God. And they are. It's Luke, Ellie, and Kyra Harris. And uh, we love and appreciate them. Their parents are out of state. And uh, their godly grandmother and grandfather have been taking care of them and holding down the fort. And uh, praise God. Uh, nothing like life in Alameda. Praise God. And so uh, we're so honored to have them with us. Book of Revelation chapter 3. Book of Revelation, chapter 3. Praise God. I hope it's going to be okay over there. It's off to a good start. Book of Revelation, chapter 3. And uh, I'm only going to be reading uh, part of the verse, it looks like. I'll just go there. Revelation, chapter 3. And uh, let's start at verse number... 15. Someone say amen when they're there. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And, um, if I were to have to translate these words in more modern vernacular, what we are listening to Jesus say is, I would just prefer that you be totally committed or not. Because if you fall somewhere in the middle, you are going to suffer the worst consequences. And that's, there, there's, that's not my interpretation. That's not... Uh, me putting a spin on it that's just the words of Christ and there's something of the Lord uh, there's something inside the heart of God that just demands that level of commitment and I can't apologize for it I wish I could change it I, that sounds horrible but you, you, you hope the best for everybody and you know that it's hard to keep a high level of commitment uh, and it's getting harder with the, the days and times we're living in. And you, you would hope that just things uh, were not that serious and had that severe of consequences, but they are. That's really the way it is. Uh, and I cannot change them, neither can you. So with the help of the Holy Ghost, I wanna help us. And I wanna preach to you today on this subject, the call of the mild. The call of the mild. Can we say that together? The call of the mild. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you honor. And we pray today, God, that you would bless the preaching of your word. 
God, I pray that it would go forth with conviction. And I pray, God, that you would touch me today and enable me to speak to your people in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shout amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap for praise. And you may be seated. In 1903, Jack London's Call of the Wild was released for the first time. And since that day, it has never been out of publication. Call of the Wild chronicles the life of a dog named Buck, who through a series of misfortunes is forced to live in the wilderness among wolves. Buck, who had previously enjoyed a domesticated life, begins to emerge as an aggressive primal canine, ready and willing to do whatever it takes to survive, including killing and stealing. This book was written by Jack London, who's actually a Bay Area local. And in spite of Jack London's literary genius, one is still left to wonder why a fictional story told through the eyes of a dog resonates with so many people for now over a hundred years. I don't think that there's any one reason for this. What I do suspect, however, is that this book touches on an uncomfortable reality each of us live with every day. It is the reality that there are cries going forth from the depths of unhinged humanity that have the power to bring out the worst in all of us. And so today... I want to preach to you about one of those cries or those calls. It is the call, it is a call that on the surface may seem harmless, but in fact it is among the most harmful. It is a call to live a mild life, a lukewarm life. And the call of the mild is a call for people to not participate in anything radical, to avoid everything passionate, and to abstain from all things out of the ordinary. Today, my primary concern revolves around the sophistication that the call of the mild is operating with. As far as Christians are concerned, we've not been tricked into not being passionate. We've been tricked into being passionate about everything except our Christianity. And as a result, we fall into the fearful and dreadful category of lukewarm Christians. We are being hoodwinked, tricked. There has been a sleight of hand that has crept into the church that is convincing us to give up our passion for God and to replace it with the passion for politics, to replace it with the passion for economics, to replace it with the passion for global issues, to replace it with the passion for meaningless issues, to replace it with the passion for social media, to replace it with the passion for the absolute worthless and meaningless things in life. And we have to shake that off because for nobody are the consequences more severe than they will be for us. I want to preach to you for just a few seconds about something that you really need to grasp today. And that is that humans do not have an unlimited amount of enthusiasm and zeal. 
as Christians, we can't afford to lose sight of this reality. Because what it means is that we cannot afford to be excited about everything. We have to choose what we're going to be passionate about and then ignore the rest. Amen. You only have so much zeal. You only have so much excitement. You only have so much enthusiasm. And you can't give it to everything. You can't give it to God and recycling. Amen. You can't give it to God and to pandas. Praise God. You can't give it to God and to social media. You can't give it to God. Amen. And, and, and the trivialities of life. At some point, you're going to have to focus in on what really matters and say, you know what? This is where all my zeal and this is where all my passion is going to go into. And everything else is going to be ignored and rightly ignored. Amen. And somebody said, well, I'm concerned that if I'm not passionate about everything, I won't leave a mark in the world. Let me tell you, if you get passionate about God, you will leave an eternal, indelible mark on this world. Amen. Hallelujah. And so for the next few moments, I want to preach to you about a few things that we have to be passionate about. Can you say amen? amen. Number one, we have to be passionate about God. In Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, Jesus quotes the words of the first commandment. And he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And can I tell you that this first commandment is first for a reason. With undeniable clarity. Amen. We are told precisely what God wants from us. And a lot of people are not clear on what God wants from us. A lot of people think that God, amen, wants all kinds of stuff from us. And the reality is that there's a ton of stuff that God does not want from us. But here he tells us that what he wants from us is love. Amen. He wants us to love him. Amen. Too often we settle for being fond of God rather than loving God. Too often we like God rather than loving God. Amen. If you love God, it's going to come at a price. And this is why a lot of people struggle with loving God. A lot of people make up all kinds of crazy things about what it means to love God. But the scripture is very clear about what it means to love God and to be loved by God. Amen. And John, Jesus tells his disciples, I love you and I have chosen you. And it is for this reason that the world will hate you. He said, you are not greater than your master. And if they call me a devil... What are they going to call you? I'm just letting you know, friend, when the love of God gets on you and you begin to reciprocate that love, it is going to result in hatred. And I know that this is uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I know, especially in a generation like ours, that is becoming more mild by the second. And somebody said, Pastor, I don't think we're living in a mild generation at all. Look at all the craziness on the streets. Look at all the craziness all over the world. Let me tell you, the reason half that stuff looks crazy is because we are so docile and mild amen the reason most of that stuff looks so outrageous is because we've all have suffered a certain amount of dumbing down praise god where we where, where we've become incapable of becoming passionate about many things amen we're just worried about the next iphone we're just worried about the next car we're just worried about the extension on the house we're just worried about the new kicks coming out we're just worried about the new high heels coming out we're just worried about the new line of purses that are about to hit the market. Praise God. I'm telling you, we're being dumbed down every day. 
we're being made more mild every day. And now any kind of radical behavior, amen, hallelujah, that we see, it startles us and it scares us. But I'm telling you right now that if you will get passionate about God and you will, and you will reciprocate a love back to God that he has given to you, praise God, it is going to come with a great amount of discomfort. And I'm so, I am, I, 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 I don't have time and I, I don't think most people would appreciate it anyways. But there are a great number of people here that I have watched you, amen, love God. And I have seen it result in your family members not liking you so much. And I have seen, a, I have seen many people here take a step out, amen, and begin to love God back, praise God, and begin to answer to that chosenness. And it result, amen, in family members just not liking you, in this world not liking you, and in some cases the people on your job not liking you, perhaps an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend not liking you, perhaps some lukewarm Christians not liking you. But can I just tell you that there is no greater calling in this life than to love God. It is the first commandment, and it is first for a reason. Oh, come on, let's praise him, let's praise him. Oh, come on, let's magnify him. Hey, God wants you to obey him. God wants you to obey him. And uh, I'm, I could just tell you this, that as a pastor, uh, I, I, I am constantly hoping that everybody is able to see uh, and, and absorb, amen, all the text in the Bible where, where there is a command of obedience. But let me tell you something, amen, before obedience, God wants love. Because it is possible to obey God and not love God. It is impossible to love God and not obey God. If you love God, you will obey God. In fact, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Praise God. If you love me, you will not steal. If you love me, you will not have other gods. If you love me, amen, you will not covet. If you love me, you will not commit adultery. If you love me, praise God, you will not take my name in vain. If you love me, praise God, you will love your brother. You will love your sister. If you love but see you can i know people i know people that may not murder praise god but they're not kind to anybody either i know people praise god that may not commit adultery but they're not nice to their wife either i know people praise god that may not covet praise god but they're definitely not generous either and they i'm, I'm, I'm telling you folks if we love god praise god there's a whole lot of issues we will never have if we love god there's a whole lot of problems amen that we will completely bypass and avoid but it all begins with the love of God amen for Peter loving God meant feeding God's sheep for Matthew loving God meant leaving the receipt of customs amen for Philip amen the Bible doesn't say much about Philip all we know is that Philip means lover of horses praise God and for Philip loving God meant going from loving horses to loving Jesus praise God I'm preaching to some of you today praise God because some of you amen have fallen in love amen with things rather than in love with the God who's giving you the those things. God did not give you a job to fall in love with the job. God, God is not going to give anybody here a degree for you to fall in love with the degree. Praise God. And God knows nobody wants you to, to have more degrees in a thermometer than I do. Praise God. But I'm telling you right now, don't you get silly. Amen. And start falling in love. Amen. With higher education. That's not the goal of higher education. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. God did not give us a house to fall in love with the house. God did not give us a car to fall in love with the car. The only thing 
God has given you that he's willing to share your love with is your wife and your husband and your kids. Other than that, don't fall in love with things and forget about the God that gave you those things. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, come on. Let's magnify him. Oh, let's get out of the mild. Let's get out of the mild. He Oh, praise God. Hey, I am upset. I'm not, not with anybody here. I am upset with the condition of our world. I don't like injustice. I don't like injustice. It's wrong. I don't care if it's happening here or in Israel. I don't like injustice. I don't like, I don't like the leveraging of, uh, of power against the powerless. I don't like our, our, I don't like our constitutional rights being taken away. I don't like the burning of the American flag. I don't, I don't, listen, I know folks here may get touchy. You get touchy as you want, but I'm telling you, my mother is not from this country and I thank God for the United States of America because it provided my family with opportunities, amen, to have things that we would not have had back in Mexico. I'm just letting you know right now. And I'm not, I don't jive with folks. I don't care how upset you are with America. I don't care how upset you are with anything else. Amen. When you start desecrating uh, uh, America, it's just, it's just really it's petty and, un, and, and ingratitude. You could take issue with, with, with politicians. You take issue with all this other stuff. But I want you to know, you, you, you go ahead and go to another country. I've been to flat-out, full-blown, 110% communist countries. I've been to countries that are hybrid communist countries. And every time I come back, you got to stop me from kissing the pavement on Americans. So I'm just telling you right now, you got it good in this country. You got it good in this country. And don't you... And, I, and, I, and I'll be the first to tell you, America was built on a lot of injustices. There's a lot of wrongs America did do. But don't you ever forget, America is one of the few countries that has ever been able to correct its wrongs. America is one of the only few countries that'll say, give that man a platform and let him rip us and let him just shred us. And let's, let, let's be challenged as a people to be better people. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things and issues out there, amen, to get excited about but you know what at the end of the day none of those things praise God are going to take my passion from God away hallelujah I'm just telling you right now because as much as I love America there's going to be a day America is is just as far as God is concerned America is another nation that's on a one-way road amen and it as much as God loves America America is not going to be able to avoid its fate praise God because it's run by men it is a it is it is it is an it is a it is an invention of humankind, praise God. And all humankind inventions have their end. As the scripture says, there is an end to all flesh, praise God. And I am telling you right now, if you're going to hitch your wagon to anything, you better hitch your wagon to Jesus Christ, praise God. You better hitch your wagon, amen, to God, amen. Before you, you, get, you get excited, upset, you do whatever you want. But I'm telling you, as far as I am concerned, I'm going to fight racism with the gospel. I'm going to fight social inequality. 
equality with the gospel. I'm going to fight, praise God, every unpatriotic, nasty devil in hell. Amen. With the gospel. Praise God. I'm in gratitude. I'm going to fight it with the gospel. Praise God. Social inequalities. I'm going to fight it with the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I'm sorry. I don't have checks to cut and neither do you. Amen. We don't have free money to give out. Praise God. And I'm telling you, we could stand on the street corners and feed people all day and they'll be hungry again tomorrow. But let me tell you what you can do. You can go to your school. You can go to your job. You can go to your family members. You can tell them about Jesus. You can give them a Bible study. They can get saved. Amen. Hallelujah. And their lives will be radically changed. They will get off drugs. They will become, they'll want to live instead of kill themselves. I'm telling you, there's power in being passionate about God. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Help me right now. Oh, come on. Let's praise him. The Holy Ghost is talking to us. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I may upset all kinds of people here today before I'm done. I, I'm, forgive me. I'm just, I'm on North Carolina time. Praise God. You know, when I got saved, prior to getting saved, and when I got saved, I just did not care about politics. I just didn't. I didn't care what you were registered. I didn't care to register myself. I just, it just did not interest me. I was passionate about other things. And you know, I, I was talking to Brother Will just the other day. I was passionate about art. And I remember the day that I was drawing. I had a final. In art school, you draw for your finals. Praise God. Don't you wish you went to art school? And I was, I was drawing. And I'll never forget looking at my hands and thinking to myself, if I ever break my hands, I am in trouble. I will lose everything. And I, and I thought, how frail. How frail. How vulnerable to think that all my future rests in these ten fingers. We, we weren't even, we were here in Alameda. We started a church here in Alameda six years ago. Praise God. We weren't even here a few months. And poor little Olivia smashed her finger in the door. That's just how quick your artistic career can end. You could, you could just smash your finger in a door. Especially, especially if you got one of those wives that slams doors. Praise God. How many people's wives slam doors? Praise God. My wife just slammed doors. My, my daughter slammed doors. Praise God. And I'm, I'm just telling you, you could slam your fingers. And your, your career's over. I could break a hand. It's not hard to fall. The other day, I decided that I was going to show my daughter how to ride a Razor scooter. Let me just tell you, those things were created to finish people's lives. I wasn't on that scooter, but three seconds. She, she kept telling me, you know, Dad, this is really hard to ride. I said, let me see that. Boy, I had a mouthful of gravel. Three seconds later, my hands were butchered. I'm that's how quick an artistic career can end. Some of you, perhaps, your careers dep depend on, on your intelligence. You could get knocked. I, Pastor, you're scaring me. I hope I am scaring you. You could get knocked upside the head. You could, you could, you, your wife can slam the door on your head.
You could be walking and fall, trip, hit your head, bust your head wide open. Happens every day, all day. You know how many people end up in the emergency room falling down the stairs? I'm scaring some people right now. And as you go up in age, for every year that's added to your life, the likelihood that you're going down the stairs goes up. And I'm telling you, it's to put your trust. To be passionate. Some of you know what it is to be passionate about your career. Your boss swivel his chair and fire you. And so I'm not saying to go into job lifeless. I'm not saying to hit life, you know, with no excitement. But I am just telling you, that secret place in your heart where the real love flows, where the emotions flow, where the, where the sense of meaning flows from, you, you, don't you point that in any other direction other than God. Don't you let that, don't you let that love in your heart. Praise God. Don't you let that secret place in your heart ever find its landing place. Praise God. And, and the things of this world. I'm telling you, you go and do what you do and be the best at it. But be the best at it. Not to be better than your colleagues. Not to rise to the top. But to give your God praise in everything that you do. Praise God. I, come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. This is not part of my message, but I'm reminded. And if you'll allow me to just play a little loose with the text. Amen. On the day that Jesus resurrected, amen, his disciples went looking for him. And there was an angel sitting right by the tomb. And he had one question. Why do you seek for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for Jesus among the dead? Why? What made you think that Jesus could be found, amen, in sports? What made you think that Jesus could be found in a job? What made you think that Jesus could be found, praise God, in a degree? What made you think that you could find Jesus, praise God, in, in this, that? I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff out there in the world. It's useful, but it's dead. You you can use it but it's dead and if you're looking for those things to produce what only Jesus can produce you're looking for the living among the dead and I'm telling you right now you ain't gonna find him there you ain't gonna find Jesus among the dead things of this world and there's a lot of dead things that might there's a lot of dead things in this world that they are awfully useful they're useful for paying the rent but they're useless for making you happy there's a lot of useful things in this world that are dead amen they may be good for entertaining you but they're not good amen for keeping you alive, praise God, for keeping you vivacious and full of excitement and enthusiasm. Oh, let's praise him. Oh, come on, let's magnify him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. So I want to encourage you. Stay passionate about God. I hope that every single one of us here is passionate enough, at least to the point that one of our family members thinks we're crazy. Minimum, minimum. If you ain't got somebody that's called you a wacko yet, you ain't doing it right. It's getting quiet. Y'all get quiet, praise God. I'm telling you, you ain't doing it right. You ain't loving God right until somebody says, you crazy. You ain't doing it right. All right, yeah, I thought I'd get that response. That's all right, praise God. I'll keep moving. We got to be passionate about our families. We have to. To be passionate about our family. That the family is of the utmost importance is not up for debate. This is not up for debate in Christianity. 
There, 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 there are unfortunately Christians that are trying to debate this. Just how important, how important is it for you to stay with your wife? It is of the utmost importance. How important is it for you to stay with your husband? It is of the utmost importance. Second to your relationship with Jesus. How important is it for you to take care of your children? It is of the utmost importance. How important is it for you, amen, to break your back to provide for your own? It is of the utmost importance. And I think that we all fool ourselves to think that negating, ignoring, and denying our families does not weaken the fabric of society as a whole. We are, I'm telling you, every action that we perform has a ripple effect. And we think, you know what, this is just between me and my house and the four walls. I'm telling you, friend, amen, when you begin, when you begin to, to just throw your family to the wind, that unleashes a ripple effect throughout society that does not stop reverberating. And so how important is the family? It is of the utmost importance. Every, I, in just a few weeks, in just a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday, right? And every Resurrection Sunday, we remember Jesus dying on the cross. We think about Christ dying on the cross, but you know what we don't think about? What was Jesus thinking about on the cross? And I've heard a lot of, you know, great sermons. He was thinking about you. How much does Jesus love you? This much. You know, he's stretched out on the cross. And I get it. I understand. But do you want to know what Jesus was really thinking about on the cross? His mother. That, that's not up for debate. We know he was. Because the only disciple that followed him all the way to the cross was John. And when Jesus was on that cross... There was one thing arresting his mind. Who's going to take care of my mom? And he looked at John and he said, look at your mother. You love me, bro. You really love me. Please take care of my mom. I got some brothers and I got some sisters. I'm a man. I'm a man. And we don't know when Joseph died, but we know it was years, years. He was much older than Mary. So Mary, Mary, at some point, Jesus was the oldest boy in the family. At some point, Jesus was paying all the bills. Hey, guess what? I really believe Jesus really did have a hard job. I really do believe Jesus had a single mom. I really do believe Jesus put food on the table. I really believe he was about that life. Praise God. And you know what? When he died on the cross, yeah, he was thinking about you. Yeah, he was thinking about me. Yes, he was thinking about the salvation of humanity but he had already settled all those things way back in the garden but there was one thing that wasn't settled who's going to take care of my mama who's going to help me with the family that God gave me who's going to hey I'm telling you right now there, we, we, we live in a society that is trying to dodge responsibility they're, try, they're running from responsibility and Jesus said the very last thing I'm going to worry about while I'm here on earth is my responsibility amen we run from responsibility I'm telling you, it's the worst thing you could ever do. Amen. 
and hallelujah. In fact, the more responsibility you assume in life, the more meaningful your life becomes. Amen. I'm response and hey, I'm telling you right now, God is looking for some people that are willing to sign up for responsibility. Praise God. Responsibility is a beautiful thing. Responsibility is some people think I got too much on my plate. No, you got too much, too many meaningless things on your plate. Praise God. Worrying about your family. That's a good thing. Worrying about your kids. That's a good thing. And at 30 years old, thinking about your mama is still a good thing. And at 40 years old, worrying about your pops is still a good thing. Praise God. And I know some of us, we got our issues with our mom and we got our issues with our dad. And some of us, we are well to have those issues. We are right to have those issues. But God help us if we ever stop praying for mama. God help us if we ever stop praying for our pops. God help us. Praise God. Because there'll come a day. I'm telling you, there'll come a day where, where if they pass away before you do, praise God, you'll, you, you will wish you had prayed more for them. You'll, you'll have wished, praise God, amen, that you, that you had just been a little bit more. If Jesus' last thoughts on the cross were his family, then your thoughts should be on your family. Don't let anything, don't let anything pull you away from your family. You, you, listen, I'm your pastor. I love you. I hope you know I love my family. And, and, I, and I said this a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again. I will resign my ministry. I will resign my ministry before I ever stand up here preaching as a single man. We're just not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. We're just not going to do this. Praise God. I got the... I got the call of Paul on me. Praise God, and I had to ditch my wife. That's not of God. That's not of God. That's not right. That's not a ministry. Y'all can get quiet on me if you want. Amen. You got you to be, be passionate about your kids. If, listen, if you are not passionate about your kids, amen, somebody will gladly take your place. Some, I, I can't tell you how many stories I know. Y'all need to listen to me good. I can't tell you how many stories I know of kids that grew up in good homes, but their parents weren't passionate about the kids. And the parents constantly left the kids with the other people. And guess what? There's an aunt out there. That I have a good friend. God bless him. Uh, he, he was passionate, amen, about many things. And uh, to his... To his discouragement, one day he came home and his son was gone. Why? Because the son's, the son's aunt had been working on him and working on him and working on him and, and, and talking to him about pulling him out of church and waiting until he's 18 and running away from this wacko lifestyle. And guess what? I'm, 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 I'm preaching to y'all today. You got you, I, I, I told my wife... and. She's upstairs, God bless her, but I'd say it if she was right here. I told my wife, I'm sorry. The minute we, the minute we had kids, we signed on for them to be my responsibility. I, 
and, and, and I got news for you. I don't, I don't apologize to anybody. I just don't hardly trust nobody with my kids. I will, I will randomly leave my kids with my mother-in-law. She will actually probably tell you I get on a nurse because I'll be calling her every hour. Are the kids okay? Are the kids okay? And it's not that I'm insulting her mother. She's, she's a, a well-trained, seasoned mother. Amen. But I just, I just feel that sense of responsibility to be there. Amen. To, to not cast my kids off. Amen. On, on, my, on, my, on my in-laws. Praise God. Or on my outlaws, and I got a few of them. Praise God, Hallelujah! But but I I don't I they're mine. They're mine, and I have a set of values, and I have a set of convictions. Some of you, the reason, some of you, the first person that ever gave you a bottle of beer, the first person that ever handed you a joint, the first person that you ever snorted a line with was one of your relatives. Y'all get quiet on me if you want to. When I say being passionate about your family, I talk about you being passionate about your spouse, passionate about your husband, passionate about your kids, passionate about those little youngsters that God gave you. And then everybody else can come. We got to be passionate about our kids because if we're not, somebody else will. The movie industry will be. The music industry will be. The, the pornography industry will be. The dope man will be. That scummy, sleazy, slick-talking scumbag will be. Hey, y'all, y'all listen to Pastor Good this morning, and this is not the jet lag talking. There are scumbags out there that could smell a girl who feels distance from her father a mile away. And let me tell you something. There's some codependent, psychopathic women that could smell from a mile away a boy who's disconnected from his father. And they're waiting. They're waiting in the shadows. Ready to drain your family of joy and peace. And guess what? At the end of the day, it's not that hard. Just sit down and play some Legos with the kids. At the end of the day, it's not that hard. Just go ahead and have a game of Jenga with them. At the end of the day, it's not that hard. Just take them to the park, throw the ball. You don't even have to go get it. They'll go get it. They got way more energy than you do. Praise God. At the end of the day, it's not that hard. Just sit down. Come on, folks. It's not that hard. Just have dinner together. It's not that hard. Just have dinner together. It's not that hard. Praise God. Stop, stop eating in separate rooms. Stop having dinner on the couch. Sit down at the dibble together. I'm, I, pastor's getting hard. No, pastor's trying to save you. Pastor's trying to save your family. Pastor's trying to preach to you. You can't be passionate about all. You can't be so passionate about the game that the kids are sitting on the table while you're in front of the television eating dinner. That's just, that's how you lose your kids right there. You can't be so passionate, praise God, about your mother that you forget you got a wife that's the mother of your children. You can't be so, oh, come on, somebody. You can't be so passionate about your sister and about your brother that you allow them to dream. The energies, the love, the finances, the resources that are the exclusive property of your children. You can't be so, you can't be so passionate about your job. Y'all getting quiet on me, praise God. I came to meddle. I came to, but you know what? Nobody else will tell you this. Nobody else will tell you this. 
And you know what? You know where I'm sharing this? I'm sharing this from a set of experiences that I had, that I had to suffer. I'm sharing this, and hopefully you could believe me, I'm sharing this from a set of experiences that I've seen other people have to suffer. I've had to sit in the back room with folks and tell me, I don't know where I went wrong. I don't know how I lost them. I don't know how they slipped out of my hands. I paid the bills. I had the house. I worked hard. I, had, I bought them everything they wanted. I saw somebody put up the other day, and please contextualize this, on social media, talking about Bezos and, and Bill Gates. Both their wives left them. Money don't keep people. Two richest men in the world could not keep, couldn't keep. Now he's Bill Dates. Went over like a ham sandwich at a Jewish wedding, praise God. <laughs> Bill's single now. Money don't keep him. I remember every time I came home high, every time I came home suicidal, every time I came home jittering and talking to myself, my mom's first statement was always, God bless my mama, love you, mom. But her first statement was like, I've, I've given you everything you want. But it wasn't, it wasn't the clothes. And thank God for the clothes. It wasn't the roof over the head. And thank God for the roof over the head. It was the hour. It was the Jenga game. It was the park time. It was the, hey, let's just go get an ice cream. It was the, hey, you know what? Nobody comes before you. Let's finish. We got to be passionate about God. We got to be passionate about our families. We have to be passionate about church. We got to be passionate about church, folks. In John 2 and 17, Jesus, a lot of people don't know this. Jesus actually did this twice. Twice. Jesus walks into the temple. And he passes... The temple actually had three courts. And Jesus is in the first court, the outer court. The outer court was the only place where Gentiles, non-Jewish people, were allowed to pray. And on that outer court, they sold doves. They sold doves. Now, if you don't know this, you had to sacrifice doves for your sin if you were so poor that you could not afford a lamb. Doves were for the poor folk. And so Jesus begins to enter the temple and there's something not right. A lot of people get this story all messed up in their head. The doves had to be sold. They had to be sold. You couldn't get your sins forgiven without the sacrifice of a dove. They had to be sold. It was legally binding to do it. But there was something about the spirit with which they were being sold. 
that just upset Jesus so bad. And let me tell you, Jesus, Jesus took his time. The Bible says he braided a whip. Like he sat down and started braiding for a while. Just thinking, like, should I really hit him? I wish some of us could learn how to braid. Might save you a whole lot of problems in life. You just take a little braid break before you say something. But he did. Jesus said, you know what? I am not cool with this, but let me go braid for a minute. And so he, he went and bought him some leather, went and sat down on a rock, and kept trying to feel the situation out. And by the time he got to the end of the whip, he was like, no, we're going to do this. And he goes, he goes into that outer court and he starts flipping tables over. Now, I'm going to tell you how 99% of essential, I'm going to tell you how much people misunderstand this. A lot of people think that what Jesus is doing is taking a stand against organized religion. Nothing could be further from the truth. What Jesus is taking a stand against are religious people who do not organize their lives according to a love of God and a love for the house of God. Because he didn't flip the lamb sellers. There was all kinds of animals that were sold. He didn't go and flip everybody's table. It was just the guys selling the doves that got their tables flipped. He said, this group here, y'all got to go. Somebody else just needs to take your place. The doves got to be sold. But you guys got the wrong attitude in the house of God. You, you got the wrong attitude in the house of God. And you have to get out of here. This is un- It's so bad that you're making me hit you. I'm telling you, we got to be passionate about the house of God. We got to monitor our spirit in the house of God. We got to check our attitude about church. Praise God. We got to make sure that we're staying passionate about church. And I'm going to say this. And I'm almost closing because I, I'm, I'm sure I'll offend somebody if not already have. Praise God. But I'm just going to say this. Amen. Because I have an obligation. Praise God. To defend the spirit of the, of the church. There has to be churches, folks. There has to be organized religion. The word religion. I, I hear people saying, I don't want religion. I want a relationship. You don't know what you're talking about. The word religion means to realign yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. You cannot have a relationship outside the vehicle of religion. I know a lot of people want to think that they can have this like crypto faith, right? This like stuff that operates outside the normal economy of God. I am telling you, God has an economy and an organized religion is a part of it. Jesus does not want a bunch of wild maverick. Amen. Jesus, he ain't doing that. I'm sorry. I, I hate to break it to you. And you ain't, you, 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 you ain't never met somebody that's more willing to operate outside. Amen. The, the normal standards than me. But I'm just telling you, this, this is not that. Jesus, don't do that. Jesus is going to have a church. Jesus is going to have clergy. Jesus is going to have saints. Jesus is going to have bishops. Jesus is going to have deacons. Jesus is going to have apostles, prophets, evangelists. Jesus is going to have 
Jesus is going to Jesus is going to have music, Jesus is going to have choir practice, Jesus is going to have tithing, Jesus is going to have offerings, Jesus is going to Jesus is going to have high expectations. Jesus is going to want his folks to get it together. Jesus Jesus does not want a bunch of wild scallywags. Praise God, a bunch of radicals. Praise God. I, I we can be radical about our faith. We can be radical about Bible studies. We can be radical about prayer, but we cannot be amen a bunch of pirate nomadic praise god undomesticated amen crazy people i'm closing with this i wish it was not this way but all facts it is easy to get hurt in church yeah yeah I know, I know people that would just hide if they ever saw me do this. They'd, get, they'd, they'd tell me I'm just terrorizing religion. Right? Raise your hand you ever been hurt in church. I'm not talking about bumping your foot on the chair. I'm talking about brother so-and-so who's anointed to insult people has talked to you. I've been hurt in church. I, some of us have had fellowship together and We've sat across the table and you've wept about the things that have been done to you. Mm-hmm. Some of you have seen your energies, your finances, your, including myself, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Misappropriated. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Let's just be transparent here. Uh-huh. It happens. Right. But I'm not going to let any amount of hurt yeah. that I have suffered in a building under a ministry, make me close my heart to the absolute essential necessity of being in a church. Nobody's going to take me out of the church. I may have to leave a building. I may have to depart from a particular 501c3, but I'm not leaving the church. I'm going to have a pastor. I'm going to, come on somebody. I'm going to have a preacher. I'm going to have a, I'm going to, I want my kids to have a youth leader. Praise God. I want, I want there to be, I want there to be singing. I want to hear hymnals. I want to hear praise. I want to hear worship. I want to see an usher. I want, man, I want, I want, I want, I want a building, a facility with a label on it. I want all that. And nobody's going to take me out of the church. And nobody... And I'm telling you, I could, I could sit here with the best of y'all. See, I, I come from a different angle. I'm a preacher. So now I realize that some of the hurt I got was intentional, designed. Some of the games that were played on me, I realize now, whoa, you meant to do that. I thought that was a mistake. And guess what? I'm still here. And guess what? I didn't, I have, I'm not going to give up on the idea. That God's design, the thing he calls the church, is accurate and correct and right. And guess what?
That's where he really wants to get his hoof in. He wants, he wants, he wants to contaminate the factory, people. I'm telling you, Pepsi would love nothing more than get inside the Coca-Cola factory. Put some pepper in there or something. Watch the sales go up. And Sister Harris, nothing I've suffered is going to take me out to church. I may have to move. I have had to move. I've had to tell people, brother, I love you. We're done. Man, I got, I, got, I got one of the most heartbreaking phone calls I've received in a long time yesterday. Just telling you, folks. Somebody telling me about some hurt they suffered. Not here. Nobody here. They were torn apart. They were torn to shreds. But you know, you, you, you know what was so comforting? Some of y'all falling asleep. That's all right. Take a nap. I'll be here when you wake up. Still talking. Still talking. I ain't going to let sleepy people take me out to church. You know what I appreciated about this good saint? They told me, Pastor Prado, I've... I've never been shredded like this. I've never been hurt like this. I've never suffered this kind of emotional, financial, and, and literally physical loss ever. But I'm not going to stop going to church. I'm not going to do it. I'm closing. few miles from here he, he passed away now in Marin there was a German man named Dieter Dieter came from Germany to the US and he joined the Air Force Vietnam War started Dieter's plane crashed he became a POW prisoner of war in Vietnam one of the longest POWs uh, of all time and he finally got out very successful man, built a beautiful house in Marin. And I came across this interview with Dieter. And in this interview with Dieter, he walks the reporter into his house. Nice big house on the edge of the ocean. And the reporter's walking behind Dieter. And Dieter opens the door, walks through it, and then closes it on the reporter. And the reporter's just waiting, thinking that was kind of awkward. And then Dieter comes out, closes the door behind him. And then does that like two or three times. And then finally, he lets the reporter in the house. And when he gets inside the house, the whole living room is filled with hand-painted portraits of open doors. And Dieter says, I know what you're thinking. You think I'm weird. He said, but you've never been a prisoner. And you don't realize that it's a privilege to be able to open a door. You've never lost the privilege of opening a door. He said, I know what it is to be a prisoner and have that privilege taken away from you. And Dieter, Dieter actually was a Christian. 
And Dieter said, you know what? He said, when I was in Vietnam and I was a prisoner of war, he said, he said I almost died. He said, and as I was blacking out and stuck between earth and heaven, he said, I'm just going to tell you what I saw. Open doors. How, how, how do you stay passionate about church? You remember the prisoner you were. You remember the prisoner you were when you first walked through the door. You remember the prisoner you were to heroin, to crack, to depression, to alcohol, to marijuana. You remember the prisoner you were to fornication, to adultery, to lasciviousness, to uncleanness. You, you become aware, and I know some of us were raised in church, and if you're raised in church, then I hope to God that before you die, you get in your Bible and you realize that despite the good life you have, had it not been for church, had it not been for Jesus, you, my friend, would be going to hell. Amen. You don't ever forget. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't ever forget that you were a prisoner. Don't you ever forget all the days you couldn't find your way out. Don't you ever forget that there was a day you were depressed. There was a day you were down and out. There was a day you were getting tattoos not reading your Bible. There was a day you were on the bottom of the barrel. Praise God. You remember that there was a day that had it not been for a church that kept its doors open. You'd be lost. You'd be lost. And there's days you're looking at a preacher right now. There's days I forget the prisoner I was. Let's all stand. There's days I forget. There's days pastors pulling his luggage through airports, sleeping on hard hotel beds. There's days pastors preaching in small little ranchack buildings. There's days things don't go the way I want them to. There's days things don't go the way you want them to. There's days your marriage hits rock bottom. There's days you're doing everything you can to live for God and you're unhappy, you're sad, you're wondering why God's not doing this and God's not doing that. And there's days, there's days you come to church hurt. There's days the only thing you can think about is what happened to you before in the past. And there's really only one, one, one remedy your memory your memory and rather than remembering the hurt, the pain the attacks, the senseless brutal wrong that was done you you just got to remember who you were before Jesus found you and I'm telling you to help you to step foot back in the church And sing with the choir and preach with the preacher and dance with the saints and rejoice in the truth oh Jesus oh I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody here today 
Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Can we pray right now together as a church? Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, come on, let's pray, church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't you come up to the front today and renew your passion for God and renew your passion for your family and renew your passion for your church. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let's get our passion back. Set a fire in my soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah, not for the things of this world, but for the things from heaven.